My levels thing, I ask people what they had for breakfast, and then that gets them on like a couple sentences of talking about what they ate that morning. I had um, some sort of uh, poached sous vide egg thing with uh, some not great bread. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast? I had, it was uh, like an egg scramble with some like vegetables in it with a turkey pat, like sausage patty and like a sriracha mayo on a brioche bun. Brioche. What do you feel about brioche buns? I love it. I love brioche. Actually, I used to bake brioche at my one of my old jobs. And brioche is a lot of fun to make and it's delicious to eat. Is it something you can do at home? Yeah, absolutely. Brioche isn't too hard to make. It's just a lot of eggs. Like what's, a, a what's, the, egg. what's the most important part about making brioche buns? Uh, one, it's the eggs. Like, you need to put a shit ton of eggs in there. Uh, and then it's like the proofing. Like, with all baking, it's proofing. And actually, the real thing is you, like, traditional brioche, there's, like, a certain way you have to, like, roll, like, a, put the dough in tins. So they have these little, they have, like, little knobs on the top when they bake. And then you crust them in salt. Uh, I like a brioche bun on a burger. Yeah, uh, I understand why people don't like it, but I feel like they pass judgment on a lot of the burger just on the bun. Do you feel like that is true? Uh, what, what, what do people not like about brioche buns? Like, what's the argument? Oh, they're too greasy. Oh, they're... Brioche it's really too just greasy? too greasy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, yeah, because brioche buns mostly eggs and butter. Uh, so I think that's what the kind of lends them nice because they have a nice soft shell and they're really doughy but not dense, right? Like, you know how some like Kaiser rolls are sort of like, or like, a, I'm from the East Coast too, and so where I grew up, you would do uh, potato buns. And have you ever had like a burger on a potato bun? No, that's nuts. They, you know, it's like potato bread, but they make that. I don't know what potato bread is. Oh, really? Wow, yeah, it's like, it's good. It's do you just guys dense. not have yeast on the East Coast or something? No, they have yeast. It's just a style of bread. They do potato buns. Potato and it tastes like potatoes? No, it doesn't taste like potatoes. It's just, uh, I don't know, it has like a thicker texture to it than your average bread. Oh, so there's no potatoes in a potato bun? No, there's potatoes in it, but it's oh. not like it's not like chunks of potatoes. It's like they whip it, and then it's part of the, folded into the, the, the flour and the yeast and all that. Do you know what type of potatoes they use for that? Uh, I don't know, Yukon Golds? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know, I don't, maybe that matters. Maybe you, it's not red potatoes, I know that. Uh, so what's your name and what's your podcast? Uh, my name is John Linvey and I did a podcast, I do a podcast called Big City FM, even though we've been on a, I've been on a break for a little bit. It used to be me and three people, but now it's just me. And so I think that's a lot of the reason why I've slowed down. So how many episodes have you done? Close to 300. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for about three years. I was doing one a week. And then when I would do, uh, like when shows would come up, you know, I'd do a series of smaller ones. But I think if, I think numbered episodes, I'm like in the... 200s, but if you were to count all of the files that I've released, it's over 300. Wow. Uh, did you start at number zero? Uh, so when the f podcast first started, it was me and a few friends just like doing your standard bullshit game podcast. Like, hey, what have you been playing? And uh, just bullshitting that way. And that was like the first uh, maybe year. And then on episode, I think when we switched over to numbered episodes, which was episode around 50, I did my first developer interview, which is the direction that we were going to go anyhow. But like that first series was just like, hey, how do you record a podcast? Let's make sure a podcast doesn't sound like shit. And uh, yeah, so about 50. So I've done at least 250 developer interviews. What, what, um, how have you evolved your interview technique over those 250? Like, what are some things you try and do, some things you try and avoid when interviewing developers? Uh, try to avoid, I try to avoid asking for when it's going to be released, because that's a dumb question to ask a developer while they're in development, because that's uh, such a moving target. 
I uh, try to stop. The other big thing is you stop asking them to tell me like uh, what the game is. Like uh, moving away from just having them pitch me the game, like, and just talk more about like why they're making the game and actually playing it. So that way I can say, hey, this is like I've picked up on these things that you're talking about, or it seems like you're interested in these things, and go from there. Like just make some assumptions and then have the guests answer, defend, confirm, deny all those things. Uh, the biggest thing though is really uh, learning how to listen and not interrupt. Like allow them to just go and then learn how to sort of gently steer a conversation without trying to force like force things or knowing when to follow up. I feel like a lot of times, uh, especially on developer interview podcasts, a uh, developer will say something super interesting, but like the interviewers so like on they're like, okay, I want to ask this question, they want to ask this question, they want to ask this question, and then after they ask the second question, the developer will say something really interesting. And then they won't follow up. They'll just get onto okay. So now uh, onto the next thing that I have planned to ask you, and that just comes from not listening. So how, how do you find uh, about like how do you go about getting the interviews? Like I always find, especially with like this, I don't really like interviewing people without talking to them first. Sure. Um, so I usually try and interview people that I meet like during during these trips and shows. Um, uh, yeah. So what? How do you go about it? So when I first started, it was just a lot of cold calls. Like I was just like, hey, I like your game. I like. I think this is interesting. Uh, would you like to talk? And then after that, after you do that for the first two years, uh, you get some notoriety. So people start knowing who you are. But a lot of times, I like. For me, it's not so much knowing the person. I like knowing what they make first, um, because I think that's to me that's where the conversation starts. It's not so much like we can obviously. I love learning about a person just through conversation. And if I learn all this stuff off the mic, I don't think it's as illuminating than if it was on the microphone. Uh, so a lot of times it just starts from like when it's at a show, I'll play the game first. I'm like, hey, do you have like 10, 15 minutes to sit down and jam? And then I, but for me, I like to do longer form interviews. So that 10, 15 minute is just like a short thing just to get me to know them. And then after I wrap that up, then I'll schedule something in the future like, hey, would you be interested in like sitting down for an hour and like talking more in depth about X, Y, or Z? Do you do them uh, remotely as well? Uh, for the mo- for majority of the, the existence of Big Sushi, it's been remotely. But now that I'm in the Bay Area, it's a little bit easier to, especially when things like GDC happen, I could like schedule like, hey, you're going to be in town. Like, let's go get coffee and sit down and talk for an hour. Uh, how do you find the remote interviews? Um, again, I think remote interviews are for really important to not interrupt the, the person you're interviewing and let them just talk because of, because of Skype and delays and depending on what you're using, uh, the software will like gate the other person so it really make the conversation really choppy. Uh, and so at that point, it's more about making sure that your questions are pretty succinct uh, and then also just listening uh, to the person and making sure that you're letting them just have the platform. Because I think the biggest thing for a lot of people uh, that do podcasts is they start doing it. It's like, I want to do my podcast because I think I'm, I, got, I think I got good questions and I'm cool and I want to talk to all these cool people. But uh, one of the things I quickly realized is that the show's really not about me. Like, I, I am just there as a vehicle to ask questions to these people. But the show is, for more, uh, is more about the person, the guest. And you make the guest the king and you give them the time to speak. That's when, like, the real magic happens. So a lot of times it's about learning how to remove yourself from the conversation, but just be there enough to push things along. What would you use to, like, record remote interviews? Because I did my first one um, remotely, and that was a bit of a pain to set up. Like, I had to set up all these virtual mixers. What were you, uh, what, uh, what were you using? I was using this weird thing. It was, like, called, like, banana something. So when I first started doing it, I actually had a more complicated rig because uh, quality was really important to me. So I actually had two, two laptops set up. I uh, had a MacBook with GarageBand running, which then I had a mixing board, which had uh, like a small you know, four-channel mixer, which would take my XLR microphone, 
uh, would then have my headphone jack in there so I could hear the call, and then that would get fed, fed into the MacBook through a, like a USB uh, amp, whatever, like a small USB amplifier. But then I'd have a second laptop, which would actually be running Skype, and then I'd run uh, basically um, an FX loop from the board that would carry the microphone back to the la that laptop, so that way that, the caller could hear me, and then take all the audio and put it on a separate channel, so that way I could normalize the two, my, my microphone between them without having to do it through like weird virtual mixing boards, and then pump all that into SoundCloud, or not into SoundCloud, but into GarageBand, and then edit it from there. The only downside to that is that um, because I'm pumping it all into one ch like to two channels, I can't separate the guest from my, so that way I have to do, I have to do better, good mixing with the board, and if I don't do good mixing, then it screws up the audio. Uh, what I also do now when I'm doing it is I've done the virtual thing set up through GarageBand where I can actually have Skype be its own channel, the microphone be its own channel, and have it all communicate back and forth. And that's nice for editing, because that way if the guest is quiet, I can pump them up, or if I'm too loud, I can bring myself down without worrying about the sound too much. Yeah, I did all mine through that, like a virtual audio mixer, so I could take my voice and the audio coming through the computer and run it through a microphone yeah. like a simulated microphone and then record that and then I would level it or level it before getting it to audacity right and then record it it turned out okay I mean ideally I wouldn't want to do these remotely but it was like I backed this guy on kick this rapper on Kickstarter so I had to interview him yeah because I got to design my own tier so I had to do that because that's nice. a dumb idea yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah what was what was the weirdest interview you've done on your podcast the weirdest interview yeah uh, I need more criteria like define uh, like weird. like uh, did you did you ever interview somebody kind of outside your normal wheelhouse of people you'd interview and like interview publisher or something like yeah, like stray I mean, a little bit further than I assume it's mostly. I mean, yeah, big name developers and indie developers that are people you. Yeah, interview. we've done publishers. We've done like I did Cartoon Network publishers. I did Devolver. I had an awesome conversation with Nigel Lowry from Devolver. Um, I've done musicians. I've done. Uh, I did a bus. I guess the 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 one that's sort of out, outside the realm of uh, indie games or game development was I did a, a busking band from New York City called You Bred Raptors. I did an interview with them. Like bread as in, uh, like, like potato bread? No, 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 like bread as in breeding. Like, mm. it's a quote from Jurassic Park, like, you bred raptors with a question mark. Like, ah. you bred raptors? Um, and they're a really, really good uh, busking band in New York City. Uh, it's like a... Are they still active? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can check them out on YouTube. Uh, I know Pete Rains is the bassist, and, like, uh, I don't know if he's, like, the lead, but he's one of the, the guy I interviewed. That's like, a good name. That's probably one of the better names of yeah, people yeah, you've yeah. interviewed. But the, the, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, one of my very first interviews um, that I actually did for a paper back in my hometown is I interviewed uh, Ben, I forget his last name, but one of the creators of Cards Against Humanity, and I uh, interviewed him. I called him up on a Sunday when he was in L like back in California, did a remote interview with him over Skype while he was like on the side of a road in California, and it, yeah, that was cool. Cool. What's the name of that podcast again? My podcast? Yeah. Uh, it's Big Sushi FM. Um, how, with that name, did you run into a lot of, like, brand confusion? Uh, so, the name Big Sushi comes from, like, a, just an old forums that me and my friends used to have from college where we would just talk about, like, video games, movies, books, comics, anime, whatever, anime, whatever. And, um... Uh, and so it just sort of stuck because I sort of like the fact that it's sort of nonsense. Like I didn't want like g indie game podcasts, yeah. you know. Game zone or something. Ga yeah, games plus plus d interviews. Because uh, 
I mean, I, I think that might have helped. That might help for like SEO shit, right? But uh, I just liked the um, the name Big Sushi, so I, I just stuck, stuck with it. Uh, you mentioned that you uh, did an interview for a school paper. What was the name of the school paper? Uh, it wasn't a school paper. It was a local paper. So what was the name of the local? It's paper? It's called the Erie Reader. Where 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 was that local too? Erie, Pennsylvania. It's the it's the alt, the only alt paper in the in the city. So, what's an alt paper? Uh, so you have like your main like Erie Times, right? That's like your main paper. That's like all the like major journalists stuff like that. And so all papers are sort of like the Chicago Reader, which is what the Erie Reader is based itself off of. And that's more for like arts, culture, music, uh, activism, probably. No, I mean not so much activism. I mean, it does get into politics, like local politics and things like that. But it's just not uh, like your standard. Like they they're more there to sort of uh, promote the community, promote what's happening in the city and and the entertainment and things like that, and not just be like uh, school board rejected. X vote or X thing they wanted to pass. I mean, they still cover that stuff, but it's more about, you know, just providing an alternative view rather than, like, the traditional press, even though, like, that term traditional press is sort of, like, a dying thing, because what does that even mean anymore? Do you keep, do you have any copies of the interviews you wrote in, in paper form? I mean, they're all published, so you can... They're like, all, you don't have, like, a folder full of all your... Old oh, like, like, like uh, actual physical copies of yeah. them? No, uh, I, I had the first few, but I stopped collecting them. Because I, I wrote for them for about... Actually, I just stopped writing for them a few months ago. It's because I did a... Every two weeks, I did a column for them uh, for about two, two and a half years. So I liked it because it was just a good way to stay sharp with my writing skills. Working cool. with an editor. It's important. Yeah. No, that's a that's a... Interesting thing to maintain, especially as you don't live there anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, because like the my column was more about like tech stuff, right? So it was like, what's going on in the tech, like, and like what's exciting, what's new, and so uh, I did a couple of stuff. You know, I, I, every once in a while, I would dive more into the political stuff, when especially when like the TPP and like a lot of those things were starting to get affected, uh, or net neutrality, you know, stuff like that. But it's more like. Hey, here's like what's like, I'm sure you guys are all hearing about VR. Like, let me tell you about what's going on with VR. Here's the Oculus. Here's the vibe. Here's like the score. This is what's going on. Uh, so thanks for being on the question bus. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Plug or say? Uh, what do I want to plug? I have no idea, man. I mean, I, Darkest Dungeon's okay. Yeah, I mean, you're much? managing the community of Darkest Dungeon, yeah. so yeah, that's that's been an, that's been a, a treat. Do you just have like a button of that just plays an applicable narration while you manage the community? <laughs> no, no, actually the community's great. Uh, it's just awesome because it's one of those things where they just want so much and you want to give them all that stuff, but there's just like the realities of like development. It's like we can't, we have other things we have to be working on and while wow, what you're saying is cool and we would love to do that, it's just we don't have the bandwidth for it. It's really funny how, like, even, like, people don't, uh, a lot of times players of games, they don't quite understand the size of the studios that are making them. And, like, yeah, like, we have one artist, does everything. So when you say, like, hey, let's get new monsters, like, this is what that really means. <laughs> like, let me break it down for you. So, no Twitters. Oh, Twitters? Sure. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at Fight Strife, which is my handle since I was 11 years old. That's a pretty good 11-year-old, like... Yeah. Like, to ride with that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, that was, back in from Counter-Strike days, that was Fight Strike. Which, uh, it's, you know, it's fight fighting, which is great. This is great for being a community manager. <laughs> uh, and then Big Sushi is at Big Sushi FM. The website's www.bigsushifm. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud. That's where we keep everything. So if you do want to hear any of the 300 episodes, you can go there and check them out. 
a lot of good, a lot of good guests on there. Who's the biggest name? The biggest name? Like length of name? Oh, like longest name? Yeah. I don't know. Probably some of the, probably some of like the Danish or like the, the those like developers from over there. Okay, who who who's the person you've interviewed that would have the most Twitter followers? Oh, probably Rami, right? Rami has a lot of followers. I don't know who you, I, I don't Rami know Ismail? No, I know who Rami Ismail is, but I just don't know who all you've interviewed. Uh, I think he might have the most followers of, out of everyone I've interviewed, um, just because, you know, he's, he's pretty active on Twitter. <laughs> 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 yeah. I scrambled. So, yeah, probably him. 